Welcome to the Chef of X podcast. Have you been in like programs before? A lot yes. of people said they've yeah. Well, I haven't been in actual like recovery programs. Yeah. This to me feels like the Bill Wilson program. I don't know anything for, about it. Uh, there's a Bill Wilson program off uh, uh, the Alameda. Yeah. And um, it's a living program, and it's for like um, it was like a battered shelter for kids. Oh wow. Yeah. So. Uh, must have been rough growing up. I had a pretty decent life. Um, I was in a car accident car accident when I was eight months old. I was supposed to be completely paralyzed from the waist down. Wow. Yeah, I completely shattered my whole rib cage, yeah. broke my leg, my arm, and hit my head. Oh man. Yeah, see, I got battle scars. Yeah. And uh, my grandparents raised me and by the age of sixteen I ran away twice, um, and by the age of 18, I started kind of going downhill a little bit, feeling like there was a void I had to fill. Yeah. And my family didn't know how to start really taking care of me anymore because I have a mental disability. Yeah. So they dumped me in a halfway house and said, here you go. Whatever way you choose to live your life, live it, and learn to know which way to go. Yeah, that's rough. I, at at one point, like, first of all, for for most of the people here, uh, they've, they're going through some kind of uh, addiction recovery. Um, myself and I know at least one other person were lucky enough to kind of skip that. Um, I don't know that that addiction. But what I've realized through being in jail and through being here is that a lot of the things that, that happened earlier in my life match up with people who turn to addiction later on. Like, uh, I, grew, I lived with my grandparents at one point. I grew up with my, my uh, mother and father, but then I don't know what happened. But at some point, that was over. Mm-hmm. And I was living with my grandparents, and that was like around, I think, right before kindergarten and I had an older brother and a younger sister so uh, I don't even know if my younger sister was in the picture at this point but like we were just living with my grandparents and then at another there was another huge shift where we started living with one of my aunts and my uncle so I basically grew up like pseudo adopted Mm. where uh, I was with my family but I wasn't with my parents I I was the same way yeah I didn't know why and it was like Looking back, it, it, it was kind of a confusing time, um, but I I got really lucky because they, <laughs> they they got me into this really this really intense school, mm-hmm. and then like all of my kind of addictive behaviors were rerouted into school or like into sports. So I, I actually it actually helped me out. Like I, I got really obsessive over that type of stuff, but. I remember, like, we were watching a documentary in one of these groups, mm-hmm. and it was some celebrity, I think Russell Brand or somebody, and he was saying, like, I'm always going to be an addict, and there's, like, this feeling, like, right, like, in my stomach area that just is unfillable. Mm-hmm. And I remember that shit when I was a kid, 
but now I don't have it. Mm. So maybe that's the reason why I never turned to, to drugs. Or uh, I mean, I smoked weed on occasion. I drank, but it's 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 always surprising to me uh, how similar um, I am to a lot of people who are who are uh, real addicts because I just was never. This was my first time being connected to that world. Really? So yeah. So I'm learning what you know other human beings have experienced um who are pretty similar to me for the experience, first time experience it in my opinion honest opinion on how i've seen things go for you and how i see how you are it's gonna be a real big eye-opener yeah. for you it's like you start on like they normally say don't judge a book by its cover right right well Stephen King I don't mean to jump jump around Stephen King That's just fine. came out with the book called The Dome yeah we're in the dome we're in our playing our own hunger games right now for in in uh, speaking terms we're do you hear the cars no do you hear the birds right now it's beautiful out here yeah Everything, to me, right now, seems animated. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And, see? Then the bird goes off. (laughs) This is a false reality that's meant to help you build some some skills, right? Yes, exactly. So do you think it's it's a good thing to be in the dome? Or is it too sheltered? Um... If we're living in the dome, because we are by the power plant, uh, in this area, on how things are going right now, because I know a couple years ago, they took half of San Jose, half of the people that were on the street, and they put them in housing. Yeah. This is what I feel is the housing part of it. Okay. So... We, for society, for our community, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. But, excuse me, I'm noticing that there's a lot more kids born with disabilities because of the people that are doing drugs. And you're having kids that are having seizures and outbursts and it's not a problem but their parents don't know where to get the right answers to take care of the children anymore. It's like we need to find that other Albert Einstein. What do you mean? Well because like with me I'm PTSD and I'm ADD and I'm OCD and I have anxiety and I have depression. Yeah. With PTSD you can't stand big crowds. You can't be in one place for too long. You're always in the dark. You don't like the light, you know? And it's like you're your own robot. You're programmed to get up at a certain time, eat at a certain time, sleep at a certain time, and it's like when not you get tired of it eventually? Yeah. Wouldn't you want to do something 
like outrageous yeah. to be different where someone doesn't think like you're psychotic though yeah yeah I, I, I I'm getting back into uh, school right now you are yeah and one thing that I notice is that I'm a different student than I've ever been mm-hmm. um, I was a student for a long time and I, uh, I had a psychotic break while I was in college like my during my senior year basically mm-hmm. so <laughs> I wish it would have I could have pushed it off a couple of semesters but uh, I ended up leaving and I didn't get a degree but I was in jail for about a year and then I came out and I, I was here and I, I saw the beginnings of this like while I was going into my break but there's something that's disturbing to me about professionals hmm. which is that I it's you're very rarely are you encouraged to trek your own path mm-hmm. I feel and I have a you know I have a limited view I'm only in community college right now but I think that connects very well to the idea that I mean you briefly spoke about mental health homelessness these big things that basically at their root are people who uh, the way that they exist is completely different from the mold they're supposed to be mm-hmm. in order to function in society Exactly. And when I when I when I see innovators or people who are kind of outside of the box or even artists, mm-hmm. um, if you look back far back enough in their history, they were just like that. Not necessarily homeless, not necessarily with mental health problems. Although it's not rare either; it's not unheard of. Um, and, and even in the science community, that uh, f- not fitting in the box or th- the fact that there even exists some box, mm-hmm. so that if you're if you fit in here then you're good, you can live a good life, but if you don't fit in here, you're not going to be able to afford housing, you're not going to be able to afford food, you're not going to be able to make daily decisions to get where you need to get or see the people who you need to see. Or a big one for uh, people who end up in places like this, like you or I when we were kids, is not being aware of emotional management. Not being aware of the fact that if this happens in your life, you have to do X, Y, and Z to make up for that. And if you don't, you're going to feel a sense of emptiness, which ultimately could lead to you uh, using hard drugs and everything that comes after that. And um, for certain people, if, if you're like, I, I imagine if you're in a really stable home and you don't have any kind of, you're not moving all the time, no extreme stressors, you had the same friends since kindergarten or something, then you are, you're, that emotional management is easier for you because you don't have as many stressors, right? Mm-hmm. But that's really more fundamental to who you are than I think anything else. And what I see when I see people that come through this center or when I see people in school or any other place in the world is that at their root, they're not that different from an addict. Like they're trying to find some, they're trying to find something to validate them, whether it's a job, whether it's, you know, having a certain spouse, whether it's having enough money. The only difference is with addicts, it, it seems like it's more direct. Like, if you take a substance, your brain will experience this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you get a raise, it'll still experience something. It's just not the result of a substance. It's the result of, I don't know, some maybe your own endorphins. Yes, you know? exactly. And, uh, and, and knowing like this, everyone has to do this. It's just for some people, it happens in their daily lives. But for you, if you're growing up in this kind of uh, shaky situation where 
um, as a kid, kids need certain things emotionally. Mm-hmm. And when you're the kid, you don't know what you need. You, you're hoping that your parents know what you need. Yeah. But you have to figure that out. And you're going to make mistakes along the way. And for most people, they say, like, yeah, drugs are bad, but they work. Like, they got me what I wanted to get. And unfortunately, with certain things, it's like once you get involved, now you're on a, a train that's, that's already off the tracks. And it's only a matter of time before you, you figure it out. But that's it's unfortunate, but it's almost like uh, it's it's not really it's not really a kid's fault for not knowing how their emotions work yeah. and for trying to experiment. Yeah. It, and, and actually talking about that, um, I dealt with my mom dying at the age of 18, right, wow. from a car accident. And by the age of three... I would literally cry uncontrollably from October to December for no apparent reason. It was like, you know how you have that close bond with your mom, like right when you're born, right? Yeah. Well, I completely lost that somehow. So I have abandonment issues and I have other problems as well, but... I'd cry, I cried most of my life. And when I was introduced to dope, or into, excuse me, meth, um, it completely closed my emotions. And I loved, and I actually liked it. Yeah. I actually cried for the first time yesterday in Pat after a year. Wow. Yeah. How's it, how did it feel? Kind of scared me. Wow. It scared the shit out of me, dude. I was all like, what the fuck just happened to me? That I haven't, I thought I had a nervous breakdown. Yeah. It's hard for me to cry. Is it? Yeah. Like, if I, if I want to cry, I can almost tear up. Like, I can recognize, like, my body's supposed to be crying right now. <laughs> But like I don't resist it anymore, but I can recognize that. But I can't. Uh, it's it's almost I'm almost never bawling. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time I think I did was. Oh no, I I did during a breakup, so that's pretty normal. Yeah, but that was probably like that was years ago. I can't cry. I can't cry about things that happen that are like sad for me unless there's someone else who's crying around me, mm-hmm. like. If I, if I tell, like, like I said, I used to like telling jail stories. I think I might have run out. But if I tell some story that is somewhat sad and then someone else starts crying, then I can cry. But I can never recognize, like, this was a sad moment because mm-hmm. I only think of it in terms of how I experienced it, which is kind of matter-of-factly, like, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's weird, but this one recovery coach I don't know what her real name is maybe she she taught in the jail mm-hmm. but uh, she brought in a speaker she didn't say it but the speaker said it that uh, if if men were taught how to cry or were taught that it was acceptable to cry mm-hmm. at a young age then uh, the prisons would be empty do I think that's a fact no but the point that he, he was getting at was something I saw myself when I was in jail 
mm. which is that most people who had committed some crime or you know were involved in a gang or something like that if you ask them enough questions it was actually that they were trying to solve an emotional problem around masculinity mm-hmm. like i didn't want to look like a bitch so i had to do this i didn't mm-hmm. want to look like a punk so i had to this is just how it was and uh it was it, it was really disturbing that for a lot of people like morality is is difficult to speak about but i'm going to speak about it anyway it's yeah. <laughs> it's for for a lot of people if you think of like a, a soldier going out to wherever mm-hmm. to serve their country and they happen to kill people then um you know it's considered all right if if it's necessary then yeah it's in fact it's good if it's necessary because who knows maybe we would have been the ones who were killed if that soldier didn't do what he had to do if he didn't follow directions um but obviously to the other side it's not going to be seen as a moral thing to do you just mm. killed my grandpa or something or my kid with a drone or especially then it's not going to be seen as this great thing and what we'll, Jason? yeah what is this it's aloe no it's aloe vera water so there's chunks of aloe vera in it it's natural water tastes good aloe vera water shout out to uh el campesino brand Brand. They put the word brand into their brand. It's it's like a um, like Hidden Valley Ranch. Yeah. Brand. Really? Mm-hmm. The same as uh. Well, it's like an off-brand, like a Mexican brand. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they really hid. Never mind. That's a bad joke. So, uh, anyhow, when I think about gangs now versus before I uh, went to jail, it seems a lot closer to a situation where. There's just a war in your neighborhood that's completely unaddressed. Like, you're just growing up and, and people are getting killed and there's nothing on the news about it. There's no, It's almost like, are we, like, in a different country? That's exactly. how it seems. That's how it seems. Now, it's I didn't like grow up. It's like half of everybody's mind, again, like, I'm going to go back to it, is programmed to be somewhere else. It's like a few people went to the hospital and they would choose... Like maybe three or four people out of the group that's there, and would do some kind of blood test or something from them, and maybe put like a tracker or something in them, right, and make them act different. <laughs> I don't know. I, I no, I'm not saying that's not possible, but even without it, mm-hmm. what's definitely true is that there's there's like an arms race nature to. Uh, violence, all violence, I think, where mm-hmm. it, it's like once you, once someone decides to be violent, the option of peace almost goes away. You have to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. And then once, if you can defend yourself, the best defense is like being able to threaten them. And that can, that can keep going back and forth over a really long period of time. And, uh, if one thing, let's say, you know, something starts out, I don't know how something like this would start out. I don't know the history of, of gangs or anything like that, or much history, period. Don't get, don't <laughs> get caught up in knowing all the gangs out here. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't know any of them out here. Don't. I'm just speaking in theory from, let's I just know, say. I know, but I'm just telling you, there, there's just a lot. Let's just say they started making a group of girls with, with Gang doing it with pink instead, oh, of, instead of white and blue. Yeah. So dude. now people think you're. No, 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 not me. 
but a group of people actually made a gang resembling pink. Yeah, see, these things are popping up left and right. And one one of the things that is disturbing to me, in summary, about all this is that if something happens three generations ago, mm-hmm. it could still be going on in your... You can wake up in the middle of this war-like situation, right? In which case, somebody can assign you a team or a side that has nothing to do with your free will, nothing to do with who you are as a person, mm-hmm. but everything to do with things that were outside of your control. You were born at this point in time in history in this place, and this war was already going on, and you were on this block or something like that, Yeah. right? So then, it, it, one possible explanation for why you would join something is self-defense. Not saying that's the overwhelming case, not saying that's... That could be true for zero people, right? But the, the fact that that's possible... Mm-hmm. And that based on what I've seen from specific people mm-hmm. who I met, um, that was a contributing factor. What's disturbing is the cost for not being in a gang is different for different communities. And in, in the community I grew up in, it was practically zero. Mm-hmm. But in other communities, it's a really high cost for a young man to not be a, pa- a part of a gang. So now you're punishing people based on them joining something. Mm -hmm. But the reality of the situation is there was a cost if they didn't join that you're not taking into account. So it's it's almost like it's worse if you grew up in in this area. Even even if you did care about morality, even if you did care, you gotta care about basic safety, right? If somebody somebody has a gun and they're threatening you because of, you know, where your uncle's house happens to be, then um, again, I don't know anything about gangs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it would say that, that difference is not taken into account. So when I saw people getting, uh, you know, enhancements and whatnot, and then I meet them and they seem like reasonable people, I'm like, man, why? how did you end up in this situation? Yeah. Where you're going, you know, you're going to prison for the next 15 years or something. Meanwhile, I'm going to this, uh, you know, wellness and recovery place. And everything, you know, I'll be able to get back in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it just seems like you know to get back to that that point. There's an emotional element at the root, it seems, for why people do what they do, and uh, it's not taken into account. And the courts might even punish people more for situations that might not have anything to do with them personally or their moral, uh, I don't know, aptitude or whatever, mm-hmm. their ability to make moral decisions. They're they're making practical decisions that you didn't have to make yeah or at least that's some percentage of them then there's also just savages right <laughs> there's also psychopaths who like to kill people there's also manic it's not that manic depressive people manic depressive people yeah i uh so my diagnosis is bipolar one and uh i i went to a psych hospital at mm-hmm. one point a forensic psych hospital and I got to meet a lot of other people who were criminals and who had mental health diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And one thing about manic depressive or bipolar disorder in general is that one theme is that people are on medication and then eventually they get stable and they say, fuck this medication, right? I'm stable. Mm-hmm. And then they're good for like six months. <laughs> and then on month seven, they like burn down someone's house or something like something really extreme happens. And uh, I don't know that that's it's 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 really a uh, I mean just looking at my own experiences and stories I've heard from other people, 
Mm. It's really creepy because you don't, your sense of reasoning is, is, it's almost gone. Everything is like a passion project when you're manic. Mm. And, and it's like, it's hard to control your impulses. It's hard to know. It's, it's like you're a gambler times a thousand for everything in your life. And there's no guarantee that you're going to come down. The hide seems to stick around for like, I don't know, way too long. I once, uh, I banished one of my friends from my house in a manic episode. Really? Yeah, I was, um, you heard of Fifty Shades of Grey? Yes. <laughs> That's funny how you brought that up. Yeah, I was already, I was already paranoid and he, I guess it's when the movie came out, he would come over to my house during the summer and uh, we were all students, but he was like a basketball player, so he's, he was always practicing really late. And he'd come over to my house, and one day, we would always show each other, we were kind of a geeky squad. Mm-hmm. We'd show each other projects and shit. And uh, one day he wanted to play Fifty Shades of Grey, some tape. He'd watch the movie, and he was excited about it. And he played the tape, and it was like the guy explaining how he would get girls to do stuff by mm-hmm. taking incremental steps. So anyhow, I'm paranoid. I think he knows I'm paranoid, but no no one in the room has like a mental health education. So he doesn't know what he's up against. But he plays this tape and everything is fine during the tape. And then he goes home and I start ruminating, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And eventually I thought, fuck this guy. Mm -hmm. He's trying to play some kind of trick on me. Mm -hmm. Right. He's trying to he's he's like cat and mousing with me. Because I just met him, and now he's always in my house, and he's taking incremental steps to take over my house. Oh boy! <laughs> right. So the next time, the next time I saw him, uh, I borrowed my friend's car to go pick him up from campus, because normally he would walk, and you know it's a long walk. Mm-hmm. So eventually, he was like a member of the household. We'd go pick him up after practice. I was like, I'll go pick him up today. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I drove out in my friend's car to the campus, and uh, eventually I spotted him. So I said, you know, get in the car. I was very I was very nice. Everything was normal. But instead of going home, mm-hmm. I took a right. And uh, I was out in Alabama at this time, so you could make any turn and end up in the forest, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Uh, oh, my God. I started wow. speeding into the forest. <laughs> And uh, eventually he was like, yo, man, is everything all right? You know, what's going on? I was like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Relax. (laughs) (laughs) So I screeched on the brakes. And then I I opened up my door. I didn't say anything to him. I opened up my door, walked out, walked around to the passenger side and opened up his door. Mm. And I was like, get the fuck out of the car. Mm -hmm. He's like, dude, what's going on? Get the fuck out of the car. So uh, he got out. And I started screaming at him. I was like, that's it. I'm tired of your shit. Oh, no. I don't want to see you in my house for a fucking month. Oh, no. So he was like, yo, you need to relax. I don't know what's going on. Let's talk about this. I was like, no, there ain't nothing to talk about. Because we both already know what's going on. Now, in my head, I'm thinking the reason why he played that tape was because he wanted to fuck with me. I think I think that what's going on in my head is going on in everyone's head. head yeah. And they're all plotting against me. 
Yeah, so I'm like, oh, you are, you want to play dumb with me? All right, fuck you. And I just got in the car and hit reverse, and I left him out there. Um, it wasn't too far. Uh, and then I just mobbed around the campus mad in my friend's car for a while. And uh, I happened to see him again. And he was getting into one of my other roommate's cars. And I was like, oh, hell no, I already told him. Stay out of my fucking house. And uh, they were like, relax. Like, you guys were just cool yesterday. What happened? <laughs> and I was like, no, he knows what's up. He knows what's going on. But anyhow, I was so embarrassed. Uh, you know, months later, I ended up, you know, having supernatural beliefs, going to jail twice. A lot of other things went out of control. And then I ended up in the psych hospital where they were like, you're, you're probably bipolar. And uh, you need to stay on these medications. Everything's going to be fine. Um, but, you know, check your family, see if there's a history of mental illness. Turns out there was. So they're like, yeah, I mean, everything, you're probably, you'll probably get probation or something. It's your first time. You seem like you're productive in society or whatever. But I had to call them up and say, listen, I this was almost a year after it had happened mm-hmm. like you know what I was completely delusional when I did that I wouldn't have done it under normal circumstances I'm really sorry for what happened I hope you know you can forgive me one day but um, yeah that wasn't a that wasn't a joke for me it was it was it was like a life or death situation I literally I thought it was an actual like so I was being threatened mm-hmm. by my own brain and it was not a joke um, and people say with with mania with paranoia sometimes people kill people mm-hmm. because they think that that person is going to kill them so I, that was actually a mild case luckily it was something that was non-violent and just annoying but uh man i can only imagine what would have happened if i was not arrested if i if i was on the streets for another couple of years mm-hmm. because i was I was making decisions based off of false premises, based off of things that weren't true. Mm. Um, and that, that, that's, I mean, that's scary. That's still in the cards for me. That's, that can happen again if I, to get back to things, if I don't manage my emotions. So, you know, it's really, it's really tricky. Is did, it? Did you come from uh, jail, prison, or streets? Elmwood. Elmwood? Jail. I can only imagine the girl side of the jail. Are there like fights and stuff, or is it pretty calm? Huh? There's some fights. Are you interviewing her? Yes, yes. and you, since you started speaking. Who are you interviewing her for? <laughs> uh, so that I can turn it into the courts. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh, work. Yeah, sorry about that. So do you feel like this 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 place is helping you out? Yeah. Yeah. Everything you were uh, hoping for. What do you mean? I don't know. I I don't know what people expect when they come here. I expect housing, basically. But I I, I don't really benefit from the the programs as much just because you know anonymous this anonymous that. I like my psychiatrist, though. I like my therapist. I like um, going to like group sessions, talking about how we feel with some ex-gangsters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
do you um, how do you feel about the step program? What the step program? Yeah. For here? For in general. Um. So far, it's all right. I'm not like I said. I'm not used to this kind of thing. Yeah. Oh. You've only been here for three days. Mm-hmm. I need to stop interrogating you. Sorry. No, it's all right because you know how some things happen for a reason. And, like, certain things can twine or, like, intertwine. It's doing that right now. And it's free- it's freaking me out. And the funny thing is, I'm sober. That's good. And That's not funny. That's was, great. And when I was high, it freaked me out a little more because I believe in the supernatural. I believe in magic. I believe in stuff like that. Yeah. And sometimes when people are born here, are born for a reason to maybe be... Maybe I'm the walking Eve, you know? I'm I'm the I'm I'm another version of Eve and I'm trying to find my Adam type of thing. Hmm. You know? How is that different from just trying to find, you know, your partner? What do you mean? What's well, the difference between like being Eve trying to find Adam and being like some random Well, no, woman I'm just saying it's like man. I I don't know how to explain it because when my mom was pregnant with me, I was born, I was created in the middle of the early 80s, right? So in my mom's bloodstream, because she was born in 72, think of the time period of the songs and the genres and everything. You got to think of where my mind's at, you know? So it's like, I was born as a single kid, but I think I was supposed to have another sibling with me. Oh, you, you're an only child. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Well, I guess. At one point, I uh, I thought I was trapped in a simulation, so I want to pose this to you. How would you know if you were in a video game versus in real life? What do you mean? Let's say... Oh, my God. Of course you had to bring that up, too. <laughs> I was looking at Facebook the other day, and they're they're all... Is there one gamer out there that can program this game to make it have a new outlook yeah. on life? I mean, what would it be? That's funny. Let's I, say right now we're in a video game. Okay. Talking to each other. And really, we're not really humans. Like avatars? Sure. Okay. How would you know? How would I know? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. To me, everything looks fake. <laughs> no, that's an interesting comment because I felt that way. Yeah, because see, look, that fountain right there is basically... You've seen the movie The Haunting, right? No, but you can finish the point. That fountain resembles Beauty and the Beast, okay? The movie Rose Red by Stephen King, if you've seen it or heard of it, or if you read the book. Um, the circle part is the time clock. From uh, Hunger Games? Kind of, yes. And if you see the different plants and stuff, that's like different parts of building a jungle in a different part of the city. Right. So you're basically walking a small perimeter of society. Okay, so another way of thinking about that is that each of those are metaphors where you're saying, like, A is B, but A doesn't actually have to be B. Like, somebody could say... Her eyes are the sun, right? And really, they don't mean her eyes are, you know, a thermonuclear reaction. They mean more of... Go ahead, go ahead. 
True facts. We said it, therefore it's true. Hey, you know what I mean? It's the sheep of X, you know what I'm saying? I'm out here just representing. I just wanted to get my testimony on one type of true facts. It's my favorite online news source. All I gotta do is click it. I ain't gotta deal with no bullshit. Everything that they send to me exactly matches what I should expect given my cognitive bias. There's no dissonance that I have to endure by reading things from an opposing viewpoint or nothing like that. Fuck all that. I'm just trying to make sure that agrees with what I already think. The true facts that live is that. So, you know, shout out to true facts. True facts. We said that. Therefore it's true. Yeah, another way you can think about it is like this represents that, mm-hmm. right? That when you're looking at that, uh, whatever, when you're looking at this circle, it represents this thing from this other part of my life. They're referencing each other, or one is referencing the other, right? Well, that's that's a that was a really strong sensation while I was in that delusional state. What's the day today? Uh, seventh, I think. July 7th. The hell? <laughs> I just missed court, I think. <laughs> yeah. Was it because of me? No. Oh. I didn't even know I was on... I. Hmm. What was that? Wow. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have to save this for... Well, if you've already missed it, then there's nothing you can do, right? I know, but I don't want to go back to jail. Yeah. So, can you call someone? Mm-hmm. No, we that right officer? now. Okay, then this has got to end if you're about yes. to call your probation. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to call my probation officer, and... Uh, i got to call my caseworker. The most important All right, all right, on that case, uh, one more question. Huh? Blue or green? Purple. That's right. I'm a real tigger, I got triggers, dip her in honey, I will lick her like Pooh Bear. I'm too rare, you care bears, your crew scared. Tape here when the fam's near. Cheap shit, that's out. Weekends in the kitchen, off the deep end, but I'm living. Ooh, cleaner than soap box. The Chef of X Podcast. Mmm, delicious.